You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third down inches to go. Defeater. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Starr begins the count. Fires. Five Packers are active players when they are called to serve. If you get drafted or you're part of a reserve unit or the National Guard and you're getting called up, you are going to go. Among them, Packers back Tony Canadale. Drafted by Green Bay in 1941, he plays only three games of the 44 championship season and misses all of the 45 season while serving. My son was born, I came home on furlough. And that's the only reason I played the three games. I wouldn't have played three games if we didn't fake my wife having relapses. And they called me back and say they needed me. And I I was playing for the Packers. I could have cried all the way back for it bliss when I had to go back. That voice you were hearing, obviously, from the gray ghost of Gonzaga, Mr. Tony Canadeo, uh, arguably the best back to ever play for the Green Bay Packers. As you guys know, um, to this day, no Green Bay Packer currently wears the number three because Tony Canadeo's number has been retired. Um, one of just a few, you know, like Brett Favre, uh, Reggie White, Bart Starr, Don Hudson. He's one of those guys that when you take into consideration the retirement of a jersey, you would kind of put him in that category of, uh, quote, Mount Rushmore, right? I mean, that's just kind of common sense. And you hear there that, um, uh, you know, some of his playing career was cut a little short from serving uh, both in the Navy and the Army. So that's going to be our history segment today, guys, is, uh, is Mr. Tony Canadeo. And uh, my name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome into Packers Total Access. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you've got a question or a comment for the show, you can send that to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And on today's show, we're actually going to cover several listener emails. Um, the uh, the email inbox has just been flooded, and uh, and we love that. We really appreciate you guys taking the time uh, to uh, to send us emails, and it's going to spark a topic that we're going to kind of discuss today. You know, we've been doing a lot of recapping of, of last season, and uh, one of the listeners actually asked a question uh, talking about, man, it really feels like we played some tough opponents last year. What, what did their, the grades kind of uh, show as far as offensive units that we played? So I took it a step further. Um, I actually broke down uh, all of the offensive grades from our 2021 20, uh, opponents and then also our defensive grades. So essentially we're just going to run through every week and, and talk about, as, as a whole, the overall season, how each of these teams did. And that really, like the emailer uh, was saying, and I'll read that here in a second, that kind of gives you an idea 
of uh, of really the true strength of schedule, in, in, in my opinion. I definitely agree with him. But um, I just want to do a, a couple of uh, promotions here. First of all, uh, we're doing our Packers Rams Monday Night Football giveaway. If you guys haven't heard about it, basically we're giving away one indoor club seat to the Monday Night Football matchup uh, against the uh, defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams. And uh, that ticket is actually valued at $450. Um, but I actually upgraded it just a couple of days ago, yesterday as a matter of fact. We went ahead and upgraded our seats to the front row, so it actually tacked on another $50, so you're actually getting you know, a $500 valued ticket. And what I mean by front row, it's going to be indoor club seats. We're right against the glass. You've got a ledge to set your drink on and everything. You ain't got to worry about your knees hitting against the seats in front of you. you got all this space. You can just kind of lounge back. Um, it's first class. So that's where you'll be sitting. we also got aisle seats, so it's a lot more comfortable in that regard. We're not sandwiched in the middle of a bunch of people. It's going to be really cool. And also a $75 value uh, VIP tailgate pass to a tailgate party uh, there three hours before the game where there's going to be all you can eat, all you can drink. Now, you're saying, okay, shut up and tell me how to enter the contest. All right, here's what you do. You go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access. There's a tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. You just uh, tweet or retweet that tweet, and then make sure you're following the account, and that'll enter you into the, uh, the, the raffle one time. And we're going to do a drawing, most likely on August 5th. We may wait a little bit longer, but we're definitely going to do it very early in the season to give people plenty of time, uh, first of all, for more people to enter, but also uh, we want to give people time to uh, to plan that trip where they can actually enjoy it, you know, try to get hotel rooms, things like that. Because as you guys know, it's a little bit wacky in Green Bay this time of year when football season cranks up. So. Also, one more thing, and we're going to get to our history segment. Um, as you guys know, Ryan has been talking about on his show, and, and I've promoted it here. If you're looking to do any kind of advertising for any any level of business, whether it's small business, large business, what have you, if you've got an event coming up that you want to promote, um, reach out to Ryan. And he mentioned on his podcast the, uh, the email address, I believe... It's packdaddy86 at gmail.com. I could be getting that wrong. Um, definitely uh, reach out and get that email. But Or you can email me. As a matter of fact, just email me if you're interested in, in getting advertising for uh, for the shows as well. Guys, uh, podcast advertising is very, very expensive. And Ryan is uh, <clears throat> running a great deal right now, especially it being the off season. If you guys just want to, like I said, if it's even to promote an event or what have you, it, it doesn't hurt to ask and reach out. I think you'd be surprised at, at how cheap you can get that um, this time of year. So we just want to kind of emphasize that and really let people know that that's open to our listeners first and foremost because we appreciate everything you guys do for us, uh, you know, being fans of the show and keeping this thing uh, churning. And we want to give you guys uh, that unique opportunity to, to save some money on some advertising if, if indeed it does make sense for you. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get right into the history segment for today's episode. The very durable halfback, um, multifunctional. Um, he could run, he could pass, he could block, he could throw. One of those players well respected by his teammates because of what a fierce competitor he was. Only the third player in NFL history to rush for a thousand yards. All the desire in the world and real pleasure to watch him run with the ball. On top of that, one of the finest fellows you ever met in your life. 
So many great things said there about Tony Candideo, and that last voice you heard was the great Don Hudson. Uh, obviously, they were teammates, and, and he said just one of the finest fellows you ever met in your life. And, and let's kind of talk about Tony Candideo here. Um, let's talk about some statistics. Let's kind of give you a little background. I got an article that's written by Cliff Crystal that's really going to take you into the life of Tony Candideo and give you an idea of, of the type of football player and person he was, but obviously... Uh, he um, he was uh, went to the College of Gonzaga. They called him the Gray Ghost of Gonzaga. If you ever seen him with his helmet off, you'd understand why. He had extremely gray hair, and he uh, he played there from 1938 to 40. But uh, his honors, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1974. He was on the NFL All-Decade Team in 1940s. Uh, Associated Press All-Pro Team chosen uh, since 1940 and 1943. Other years uh, selected as an all-pro first team was 1949, uh, Packers all-time team of 1957, and the Packers all-Ironman era, 1976. So, his nickname, the Grey Ghost of Gonzaga, Kennedeo was a scrappy, punishing runner and the third in NFL history to surpass 1,000 yards rushing in a season. Kennedeo cracked the barrier in 1949 on a 2-10 team when he rushed for 1,052 yards in 208 attempts, a 5.1 yards per carry average. He was 30 years old at the time and durable as ever. Kennedeo played until he was 33 and didn't miss a game in his final seven seasons. Kennedeo played during a transitional period in Packers history and had to adapt to playing on a losing team and in a new offense as well as uh, to NFL rule changes that allowed for more frequent substitution and dramatically reduced the number of two-way players. Over his final five seasons, the Packers never had a winning record. In 1947, Curly Lambeau abandoned, abandoned his Notre Dame box offense and installed the wing tee, which meant his halfbacks no longer needed to be as versatile as they were under the old system. Once the league approved unlimited substitution in 1950, Kennedeo and others could focus on playing either offense or defense. As a younger player, <clears throat> Kennedeo was a dual threat as a runner and passer, a dangerous kickoff and punt returner, a ball-hawking safety, and even a capable punter. In 1943, for example, he took over the Cecil Isabel as he took over from Cecil Isabel as the Packers' primary passer and also led the team in rushing with 489 yards, good for a 5.2 average per carry. By 1950, Canadeo was moved to fullback to take advantage of his blocking skills. Think of that, guys. A guy who played quarterback and fullback as well. That's pretty impressive. Uh, through it all, he was revered by teammates to, for being a fierce competitor and spirited leader. Quote, Tony was all desire, former teammate Bob Fort said. Or once said, Canadeo rushed for 4,197 yards, the Packers' career record when he retired, and accounted for 8,667 total yards, which included rushing, passing, receiving, and return totals. He also intercepted nine passes. Although there was never an official ceremony, Canadeo's number three was the second number retired by the Packers after Don Hudson's. A committee of fans, not the team, honored him with the Canadeo Day on November 23, 1952, when the Packers played the Dallas Texans at Old City Stadium. In 1974, Canadeo was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a senior nominee. Quote, he was a slasher, said Aldo Fort, uh, one of Canadeo's teammates in 1947, and later an assistant coach for 16 years with the Detroit Lions. Quote, he was the top who broke tackles. He wasn't elusive like a Barry Sanders, but he was a hard runner, a cutback runner. He finds his holes. If uh, there are any seams in the line, he knew how to pick it out. 
Canadeo was selected in the ninth round of the 1941 NFL draft after playing at Gonzaga at school that dropped uh, a, I'm sorry a school that dropped football a year later. Canadeo was inducted into the Army in uh, December of 1943, played three games while on furlough in 1944 when the Packers won the NFL championship and missed the entire 1945 season. Canadeo returned to the Packers' fold in May of 1946. Over his 11-year career, he played in 116 games and started 79-67 at left halfback. Uh, he was elected to the Packers Board of Directors on March 7, 1955. So he also served on the Board of Directors for the Packers. Um, he was elected to that on March 7, 1955, and served until he became a uh, Director Emeritus on August 18, 1999. Uh, one of Vince Lombardi's closest friends um, and confidants, Canadeo was a member of the executive committee from April 28, 1958 until May 26, 1993, a span which included Lombardi's nine seasons as a coach. From May 3, 1982 to June 5, 1989, Canadeo was vice president. He relinquished the office after reaching the mandatory uh, retirement age of 70 years old, although he remained uh, at-large member of the committee. Um, I think it's worth noting there, guys, because that's that's what we've been talking about with Mark Murphy. You know, his he's going to be uh, his his duty's going to be up in 2025 when he turns 70. Then he'll have to relinquish those, uh, you know, that and kind of uh, step into retirement. And he'll 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 get kind of a I don't know kind of a promotion, I guess you could say, as far as into the ranks. But he will no longer obviously be the president of the Green Bay Packers. But it says in all, Canadeo spent <clears throat> spent 55 years as a player and active board member. One of the longest associations of anyone ever connected to the franchise. He also was a network analyst for Packers television broadcast from 1959 to 1967. Born May 5th, 1919 in Chicago, given name Anthony Robert Canadeo. He passed away on November 29, 2003 at the age of 84. That article was by Cliff Crystal. And as you guys know, Cliff Crystal does everything uh, first class. And I do want to mention there with World War II, it said, Canadeo's honorable discharge from the Navy in August 1943, had allowed him to play for the Packers that season. However, he played in only three games during the 1944 season, missing the team's victory in the NFL championship game due to service in World War II. During the war, he first served in the U.S. Navy, then joined the U.S. Army and missed all the 1945 seasons. So it just kind of goes to show you exactly what Don Hudson was talking about. He was a great football player and an even better man, obviously a hero, a war hero, and just uh, an all-around awesome, awesome American. So the gray ghost of Gonzaga, Tony Canadeo. I know you've seen that number, that number three in the name up there on the facade at Lambeau Field. You may not have known who that was. Now you do. One of the greatest backs to ever play the game. He could pass. He could run. He could catch. He had nine interceptions. He could kick return. He could punt return. He could punt occasionally. Um, the guy just went on to do it all. And then not only that, he, he served the Green Bay Packers on the board board of directors and emeritus and all that. Just a, an awesome, awesome Green Bay Packer. Now you know why that number is retired, especially seeing that there's so few that are retired for the Green Bay Packers. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. That's your history segment for today. Now what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break, pay some bills, and we will be right back to answer some uh, some listener emails. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, since it's a slow time, I'm going to read a couple of emails here and just kind of give you guys, that way you guys hear the feedback as well, and we can kind of stay on the same page as far as the direction that the show's going. This comes from Brian. He says, hey, Clayton, just wanted to let you know how much I really enjoy the show. I've bounced around listening to a bunch of different Packer pods, and you've become my first listen whenever your show comes out. I really appreciate that, Brian. That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, it's funny, uh, Ryan Schlipp's, uh, you know, Packernet podcast was definitely my first. It's the one that, you know, when you're setting your playlist for the day, I don't know if you guys are the same way, the way my app's set up. I go through and, and comb through the podcast that I'm subscribed to, and then, you know, okay, let's add that one to the playlist, add that one to the playlist, that one to the playlist, and then I go right back and organize it and Ryan's is always at the top because it's just it's my first it's my go-to as far as show so I know where you're coming from there and I really appreciate that man that means a lot so I really love the history segments I've never really taken the time to explore Packers history and I appreciate the work you put in to make us all smarter and more knowledgeable fans that being said I was curious if you have some sort of quote uh, PTA table of contents somewhere that lists who you've highlighted on the show and when it aired example Don Hudson May 14th show I'd love to be able to listen to the ones I've missed. Either way, thanks again for all the hard work you put into this. And obviously, Go Pack Go. And that is Brian in Ridgefield, Connecticut. That is awesome, man. We're getting like every state across the country. People are giving feedback. And it's just so cool to see Packer fans so spread out. And it's awesome that a show, that a podcast can connect us all. And you can literally send me a text message through an email. Because that's essentially what an email is, right? I mean, you guys can text me immediately and give feedback and, and ideas for the show. It's awesome. Now, as far as the table of content, contents uh brian i actually i'm going to email you back um here in just a second when we finish the show um, i've got them all written down i don't really have a log and it's not organized very well on the podcast that i that i'm subscribed to you know or the uh the platform i should say um but i do have them wrote down i will tell you this when i do send you that written list 
Definitely check out the Jack Venisi episode and definitely check out the George Calhoun episode. Those are two people that played such a huge role in the history of the Packers, and most people have no idea who they are. And it's funny, Jack Venisi, I didn't know who he was just vaguely. And after I did that show, man, wow, did I come away with so much respect for him. So, Brian, thank you so much for the email. Up next is Chuck Jaggers. Um, he said, what's up, Clay? Uh, behind here on the show since I got COVID and listen while I'm at work. I was listening to your favorite Packers moments, and I just wanted to refresh my Packers' favorite moments. Aaron rolling left, throwing left to Cook, and Mason freaking Crosby's uh, kick of legends to seal the game. Down there talking about the playoff game down there in Dallas. That was what a win, man. What a win. If you haven't in the last year, watch that kick with Celine Dion singing, Sir, I Will Send It Expeditiously. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Everything, everything is much, much, uh, much cooler with that Celine Dion clip playing in the background. It's awesome, man. This year, this past year, I remember one of our safeties basically de decapitated Joe Burrow's head. That was my favorite hit, and Josiah Aguara getting a, t a tight end screen was my mover. Keep up the good work. I hope you and your family are safe and doing well. Make it a great week and go Pack Go. Hey, man, Chuck, thank you so much for the email, dude. I love the encouragement. I love the attitude that our listeners have, too, man. Uh, somebody's got to go out there and be a lot in this crazy world, and you guys are awesome at it. So up next, we got our buddy Andy Monday, and this is what he says. He says, uh, hey, Clayton, uh, just a few things in mind this time. So why are many Packer critics already down on Christian Watson? I know they knock uh, that he played for a small program, but it's not realistic to say that it's proof he can't play well. Now, here's the sarcasm. All right, he puts that in parentheses. So get ready for some sarcasm here. Maybe we should have drafted a wide receiver that came from a great receiver college program like Adams from Fresno State, Jordy from Kansas State, MVS from Directional Florida University, Jennings from Central Michigan, and let's not forget about the powerhouse Alcorn State, alma mater to Donald Driver. Yes, my friend, Watson has no chance. <laughs> my second sarcastic thought is a historical one. With today's, quote, fan logic, I could argue that the 1996 Packers were a subpar team since they fielded no 1,000-yard rushers. Oh, look at that. No 1,000-yard receiver. Wow. And Reggie White wasn't worth getting because he only had eight and a half sacks that season. Thanks. Got to go, Andy Monday. All great points right there. Let me throw you out a couple more receivers there. You know, as people continue to just talk about Christian Watson, it, there's no way that he can live, you know, live up to be an NFL player because he played at a small school. Um, how about uh, somebody from the the uh, the college Mississippi Valley State? Oh, I don't know, maybe the goat, the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. Right here's another one, Terrell Owens. If I remember correctly, Terrell Owens went to uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, extremely small school. Right now, I'm not saying I agree with everything that Terrell did over his uh, his illustrious career. I mean, the guy's obviously a Hall of Famer, but uh, you know, I know he did some some antics off the field, this and that. But another small school receiver, man. There's there's a ton of them to point to, and I love that he points out that the year that we won the Super Bowl in '96, they had no thousand yard rusher, no thousand yard receiver, and Reggie White only had eight and a half sacks. I mean, by those standards today, if you came out this year and, and we had no 1,000-yard receiver, no 1,000-yard rusher, and uh, Rashawn Gary led the team with eight and a half sacks, I guarantee everybody would be huffing and puffing, crossing their arms and going, man, we, why, you know, fire Brian Gutekus. We, we can't get any superstars in here, blah, blah, blah. You know, if, if both players didn't rush for 1,000 yards, it probably means both of them were fairly effective in A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, right? 
Um, you know, the same thing with the with the sack. I could care less about sack totals. I understand what Ryan's saying that when someone has such a high pressure rate like Rashawn Gary and you don't hit home with a sack, it, it's like something is missing there. But at the same time, I'm taking pressures. I I would love to have double the amount of pressures rather than you know I would rather have 20 pressures than than 10 sacks. That's just me personally because you're moving that quarterback off the spot. You're you're completely disrupting the offense, and that's the goal as an edge defender is to get in the backfield and do that so Andy Mundy goes on with another email and says I find it ridiculous to see the strength the strength of schedule rankings in the offseason because game results vary so much it's a bit more accurate to ask which position units had the best grades from the previous year when it comes to discussing tough matchups so with that in mind could you share which Packer opponents had highly graded offensive units you know maybe offensive lines quarterbacks etc I think last year we faced some pretty good quarterbacks. My apologies if the question takes up the whole podcast. Well, we can't go into every unit, but what I did here, Andy, and I think it would be a great a great judge of strength of schedule, is we're going to go through each week from last year real quick, and we're going to talk about what their offensive and defensive grades were. And, and obviously those offensive grades are going to get us close to those those type of units you're talking about. You know, if, if they've got a high offensive grade, Chances are they had a great offensive line and a great quarterback, right? Um, or at least quarterback play, I should say. So let's start off with New Orleans. Obviously, we lost that game in week one. There, and Guys, these are the season grades, okay? This isn't just for this game, all right? Obviously, me and Jacob are wrapping up that segment this Sunday where we've went through and done a, a you know, a, a enti- entire last year breaking down each game and what the Packers did good, bad, and, and maybe something they need to work on coming into this year. What this is, though, guys, is are these teams' overall grades for both offense and defense, okay? So New Orleans Saints, we lost that game. They finished the season with their offensive grade at a 69.8, not great, right? But their defensive grade was an 81.9. And everybody looks at the Saints like, oh, the Packers should have won that game. If you guys remember, we only put up three points. Guys, of all the opponents that we face, they were the second highest graded defense only behind the L.A. Rams who won the Super Bowl. So the Saints defense was a real deal last year. And now it's pretty obvious why they kept their uh, their coach in-house, right, and moved forward without Sean Payton, you know, with Sean Payton retiring and stepping away. So, with, uh, with that, let's move on to week two, Detroit Lions. Their offensive grade was a 69.4. Guys, their defensive grade was a 44.5. Like, I don't think you could intentionally play defense that bad. And their head coach, if I remember correctly, is a defensive-minded you know, coach. He played defense, if I remember right. I mean, that that is insane to me. 44.5 defensive grade. Like, you have to try real hard to be that bad. Obviously, we beat them there in week two. Week three, the San Francisco 49ers. This is one of the top three teams that we played this year, okay? Um, we played them twice, obviously, in the playoffs. We we uh, lost that game. But here in week three, we won. Their offensive grade was an 84.9. I mean, looking at the rest of the opponents here, The only team that was higher was the L.A. Rams, 84.9, the San Francisco 49ers. Their defensive grade was a 74.5. That was a strong, strong opponent. For some reason, I kind of looked at San Fran last year in that playoff game like, God, we were the much better team. And we were, right? I mean, special teams, gaffes, all these things that went wrong, everything that could have went wrong went wrong, and we barely lost the game, right? But at the same time, man, when you finish the entire season with an offensive grade of 84.9 and a defensive grade of 74.5, that is a solid football team. Uh, Week four, Pittsburgh. 
We came out with a win there. Their overall offensive grade for the the season was a 64.1. The defensive grade surprised me. Only a 64.2 on defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought their defense was a lot better than that, but I was wrong. Uh, week five, we got another win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Their offensive grade was an 80.6. If I remember correctly, Joe Burrow was the highest graded quarterback in the entire NFL. Obviously, that shows the offense went through Joe Burrow at an 80.6. Their defensive grade, only a 67.0. Uh, week six, a win against Chicago. Their offensive grade for the year was a 70.1. Their defensive grade, 52.1. Not only was it a 52.1, they they lost players this year too. They took another step back on defense. Chicago has a great chance to be the worst team in the entire National Football League this year. Uh, week seven against Washington. Their offensive grade for the year was a 73.2. Not bad. I, I, that really kind of surprised me. Defensive grade, 66.9. Not great. Uh, week 8, we beat the Arizona Cardinals in that thriller with the Rasul Douglas interception at the end. Their offensive grade for the year was a 73.8. Their defensive grade was a 62.2. Uh, week 9, we uh, barely lost that game against Kansas City. This was the Jordan Love start. Um, their offensive grade for the season was an 82.4. Their defense was a 69.7. Uh, week 10, Seattle offense uh, 74.5. And the defense was a 65.7. Obviously, we beat them there in Week 10, and those were their season grades. Uh, week 11, we lost to the, many, uh, to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, their offensive grade for the year was a 78.1. Their defensive grade was a 62.6. So that offense really didn't play that bad. And it's just amazing to me that their their coach, you know, uh, being such a, a defensive-minded coaching staff, for them to underperform year in and year out was just that's, – that's really remarkable, 62.6. Now here's the big one right here. Now I'm going to rant a little bit. The L.A. Rams, we beat them in Week 12, right? Their offensive grade for the year was an 85.7. To the best of my knowledge, that might have been the highest graded offense in the entire league. Their defensive grade, an 87.9, gang. Like, I hear people to this day talk about how the L.A. Rams are overrated. Yes, they lost a few players, but they talk about how they were overrated last year. Well, they just lucked up. They just got hot at the right time. These these PFF grades for the team, the offense and defense, does not suggest that. These aren't grades for just the playoffs. These aren't grades for just when a team, quote, got hot. The L.A. Rams, was they were the best team in the National Football League last year, according to PFF, in my opinion. At least of the opponents we played, I mean, it's hands down they are the best opponent. That was on our roster. 85.7 offensive grade, 87.9 defensive grade. Listen, you got to give credit where credit's due. And I know it sucks that we beat a team here in week 12 that goes on to win the Super Bowl. You automatically want to think, well, we were the better team. We beat them. That's not how this thing works. It's all about when you put it together and when you go on your run. But these people that are pretending like the L.A. Rams were not a good football team, you can't agree with PFF and say the LA Rams were not as good as 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 what they're you know what what PFF graded them out as. I'm sorry, man. They were a solid football team. Kudos to Sean McVay and that coaching staff and doing what they had to do to get Matt Stafford and and obviously the way they've groomed Cooper Cup, all those things. That's just a good football team. Uh, moving on to Week 14. I don't mean to rant. It just it bothers me when people 
don't give credit where credit's due. And and I'm I'm first and foremost a football fan. Obviously, I'm a diehard Packer fan, but I love football and 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 I love giving people credit because that's the thing. Like you you can't get better if you don't acknowledge that you know someone else is better than you. You know what I'm saying? Like you've got to be willing to to lower that ego a little bit to get to the point where it's okay. We need to we need to get better. There's things that we can do better, and you can't just look up and conveniently say, oh, no, they just got hot at the right time. L.A. Rams were solid. Anyway, week 14. Uh, week 13, we had a bye. Week 14, we had Chicago, another win. I told you a second ago, their uh, offensive grade is a 70.1. Their defensive grade was a 52.1. Uh, week 15, a win against Baltimore. Their offensive grade was a 75.5. And, and remember, guys, Lamar Jackson missed a lot of the season, too. So that's pretty impressive there on offense. Their running game really, really carried the load without Lamar there for that extended period of time. But their defensive grade surprised me at a 62.5, a little bit low there. Cleveland, here, here's a team that, that kind of uh, jumps off the page a little bit. They're one of the better teams that we played. Week 16, you know, we, me and Jacob, we talked about that. We broke down that recap, and, and the Packers really struggled, right, in that game, especially to stop the run there against Chubb and, and the other backup where, you know, Jacob pointed out, made a great point that, that they I think they might have been voted or, or ranked as the best backfield in the league this year. Um, but their offensive grade was a 77.5 for the year. Their defensive grade was a 75.3. Now, obviously, Baker Mayfield had a bad year last year, so that does kind of stand out to me that if the if he had his worst year and he graded in the 60s, you guys know how I feel about Baker. Obviously, he was hurt. I'm the guy who thinks Baker Mayfield is a real deal, right? You know, I could be wrong, but that's just the way I feel about it. Um, but the fact that he played hurt, played bad, graded in the 60s, and their offense was still graded a 77.5, when Deshaun Watson does get all this legal stuff behind him, and it's going to be a long time, um, I, I mean, it, you, you may be looking at two years before all this is completely behind him. You know, I'm not saying he'll be suspended for two years, but when he does step in, if you've got a quarterback that grades anywhere from 75 to 80 like Deshaun Watson does, that offense is going to take another step forward. That's pretty impressive. But, again, offense 77.5, defense 75.3. Week 17, Minnesota was a win. Their offense, like I said earlier, graded out 78.1, defense 62.6. And then you got Detroit there. We uh, we lost to them there in week 18. But again, we uh we didn't, you know, didn't play the starters and it was just one of those weird games where it's like, okay, let's just try to get into the playoffs healthy. I don't know if I subscribe to that uh that mindset. I think it it takes a lot of momentum, a lot of wind out of out of team cells when you approach it that way. But uh, with Detroit, like I said, 69.4 on offense, 44.5 on defense. I cannot get over that defensive number. That is absolutely horrible. And, uh, you know, yeah, they went out and drafted, uh, I think they got, what, two defenders uh, there in the uh, in the first round, if I remember right. It might have actually been two edge defenders. I know they got Hutchinson, but I'm trying to think if they got another edge defender there in the first round. I believe they may have. So they're seeing it. And that's what's amazing about PFF. When you look at this stuff, to me, it jumps off the page and it says, yes, PFF knows what they're doing. Like the fact that so many people said the LA Rams wasn't the best team in football last year, but yet you look at PFF grades and it's 85.7 offense, 87.9 on defense. Like, no, they're, they were the, they were the best team in football. I'm sorry. Uh, hands down, I just think that's the way it was. Now, obviously, the divisional playoff game there with San Francisco, we lost. And again, pointing out, guys, that was a great team. 84.9 offensive grade, 74.5 defensive grade. Now, think about that. 
84.9 offensive grade for the season. And look at what our defense did to them in the divisional playoffs. I mean, I, I still – I watched it the other night, and I don't know why I punished myself like this, but I went back and watched it. When Rashawn Gary got that third down sack, or it might have been the fourth down sack, there were six minutes left in the game and basically stopped that drive for San Francisco. I mean, you see that, and you've got to think, this ball game's over, baby. We've got it. I know when it happened in, in real time, I, I was – I was ecstatic, like, this just feels like the year. And then, obviously, the wheels fall off with special teams and everything else. But, um, again, so going back to Andy Andy Monday's uh, email where he was basically asking, I feel like we played some pretty good quarterbacks, some pretty good offenses. So to uh, answer your question, Andy Monday, um, in, a, in a very short sense, um, there were only three offenses that we played the entire year that were less than a 70 PFF grade. So you're right. I mean, we played some very, very stout offenses last year. And, and you know, uh, specifically, you know, quarterback play obviously plays a huge role in that, right? So uh, you, you were right on mark there with that assumption. Three offenses, only three were less than 70 grade. Now on defense, however, there were 10 defenses that we played that were less than 70. Okay, so what we seen last year was the offensive side of the ball had a bit of an advantage as far as strength of schedule. Uh, looking back on PFF grades, we played weaker defenses than we did offenses, um, just kind of looking back. And, and that was a fun exercise. What I'd like to do, and I may be able to do before the season gets started here, is actually when we go in scouting teams. And I know the, the only reason I don't like to do this with, with games coming up is when you're looking at PFF grades, the rosters have changed so much from last year. You know that it's going to be very, very hard to uh, to to get an accurate depiction of that, and you don't want to mislead people saying that they graded out this high or this low, knowing that the roster turnover might have been a, a great deal, or maybe it was you know very minute. It's just taking the time to understand how rosters change or didn't change from year to year. Um, sometimes can can be a little bit uh, intimidating. So uh, with that being said. Um, those are your emails. Thank you guys for reaching out. That was a fun little exercise. I came away learning a lot there from uh, teams across the league and, and kind of, uh, like I said, Andy pointing out that we played some pretty good offenses last year uh, looking back on that year. Um, now, as far as in the news and everything, right now we've got the Lake Tahoe Golf Tournament going on right now. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is out there with Pat McAfee and the boys, A.J. Hawk. They're having a good time, man. It's, it's funny to follow them on Twitter and just see them having a blast out there. You know, they, they've got a dress code for that stuff, and, and uh, it's funny. They, they said you got to wear pants. You can't wear shorts. And A.J. was talking about how it makes you kind of feel a little bit legit, you know, that you got to put pants on, this and that. And, and here's Pat McAfee walking around with a bucket hat on and sleeveless shirt. I know those people are just ready to kick him off the course and i think it's hilarious but aaron there's been a ton of pictures come out man with aaron with fans out there just taking picture after picture after picture and he looks like he's in a good spot for me and you guys know how i feel man i went from being a rogers hater to really supporting the guy and when i say by rogers hater is you know three four years ago i was kind of like man i don't know about this guy but as soon as he started to buck on the system and buck on all this political correctness and all these things that it were, you know, uh, one side or the other and all this division, they, they try to force people to, to, you know, pigeonhole you into thinking just one way. And if you don't think this way, then you're an evil person. And I like the fact that Aaron bucked on it. And you could tell his teammates respected him for bucking on that. And he just kind of does things his way. And, and I respect that, man. Hey, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, right? The rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square holes, the, the ones who see things differently, they're not fond of rules. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, you can glorify or vilify them, but the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. 
They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the ones who are crazy enough to think they could change the world are the ones who do. That was Steve Jobs from 1997. I love that quote. Um, it's everything our country was founded on. It's everything that free market enterprise is founded on. It's everything that these, you know, some people call it the evil capitalists. And that's not been my experience. That may have been yours. If it is, I'm sorry. Um, me personally, the, the people that I would consider capitals, capitalists, you know, that believe in capitalism, business owners, I've been blessed to have people in my life that were willing to help other people. I watched two, two business owners that I got to study under in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, every year shell money out of their pockets to buy, you know, bicycles for kids in the community that, that were less fortunate. I watched them take care of homeless people. You know, I've seen my brother work his tail off and, and come out of the military, and he was constantly given to, given to some kind of charity, and he taught me to do the same thing. You know, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. Dave Ramsey, uh, if you guys don't know who it is, I, and, and if you're having any financial trouble at all and you haven't heard of Dave Ramsey, I'm sorry. Somebody, somebody did not point you in the right direction because that dude, he's got it together, and his thing always leads with, his plan always leads with, you know, giving, giving back and giving with a good heart. And not doing it for self gain or anything like that. It's doing it because it's right. You know, any anybody who's who's been blessed with uh, with anything in their life, man, you should be willing to give that up. You should be willing to give it to somebody. It's somebody who deserves it, obviously. Not our place to judge, but at the same time, man, you got to take care of one another. And uh, I say all that because Aaron Rodgers kind of walks like that. He talks like that. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. But you know, it's funny. Everybody goes, "Oh yeah, well, what's he do charity wise?" You don't hear about it, do you? If you think for a second that Aaron Rodgers doesn't do stuff with charity, you've lost your mind. Seriously. Because Pete, because he's not out there grandstanding and doing like some of these idiots do, that all they do is defend their political parties, and they're the first one with their hands out, and then they want to talk about how good they are and how much they care about people and how the other side doesn't care. It's, isn't it amazing that both of them say the other doesn't care about our country? You know what I think? I think they're both right, to be honest with you. I really do. So when I have a, a quarterback of my favorite franchise that stands up and says, you know what, the right's going to champion me and the left's going to try to cancel me, and I don't give a you-know-what about either of them because politics are a sham, that's my quarterback. As T.O. said with a tear in his eye, that's my quarterback. I'm telling you right now, man, that's the guy that I want to go to bat for. And you can tell his teammates feel the same way. Isn't it funny that – that you know the for how the media morphed and tried to make this guy. Like I listened to a guy today. I'm just going to say the name. His name is Bill Michaels. If you guys listen to Bill Michaels, um, he's got a podcast. One of my favorite podcasts for so long, and I still listen to him because he he covers the Packers a lot. He spent his whole program today or yesterday making fun of the tattoo that Aaron got. And what's funny is anytime somebody would buck with an email, he go, "No, I'm not making fun of him. I I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it." But Literally two minutes earlier, what was he saying? He called him an arrogant SOB. I want you to think about that. You've got this radio personality that's hiding behind a microphone 2,000 miles away from Aaron Rodgers, acting like a tough guy. And I guarantee you wouldn't say it to their face. You know, he, he talked about, well, he does got a show. He does got a platform. He goes, he goes on to that McAfee show, if you call it a show. And this is the same guy that bashed Pat McAfee over and over and over. But, boy, the week of the Super Bowl, when FanDuel put that huge pretty set up for, uh, for Pat McAfee, what's funny is I'm listening to the Bill Michaels show on one side and I'm listening to Pat McAfee on the other. And you ought to hear uh, Bill Michaels. Wow, look at the man, the McAfee show. They really did it up right. That's a heck of a setup they got over there because they were in the room with him. 
Isn't it amazing how people get tough when they're hiding behind a microphone? Or here's another one, they're hiding on Twitter. They're on Twitter, boy. They got the magic thumbs, right? They're, they're, they're uh, internet warriors on there. It's the same thing as someone driving in a car. Now, I don't mean to rant, but this, this drives me insane with our society today. Boy, they'll ride the heck out of your bumper. But if you were walking down the sidewalk, they wouldn't scuff your kicks. They wouldn't be walking up on your heels because they'll lose some teeth. That, that stuff drives me insane. And these media personalities, man, they think that they can say whatever they want to think. Guys, he, he called him an SOB. And somehow Rogers is the bad guy because he got a tattoo? Are you serious? He's an arrogant SOB because he got a tattoo. That just I mean, you literally called his mother a B because he got a tattoo. I'm just telling you, man, when they when they get this shook up over athletes that disagree with maybe not, you know, not toting the company line that they want toted, right? Or, you know, once said, um, it, it just points me in the direction of that person. That's the guy I want to follow. That's the guy I want to support. Because they're doing what their heart's telling them to do. They're doing what they think's right. Not what some media personality has a producer telling them to do. Or not what their sponsors or whatever it is that people that are, you know, paying for their, their podcast or whatever telling them to do. Uh, I don't know, man. I just I lose I lose a lot of respect for people when they try to act tough on the radio. It drives me crazy. So with that being said, <laughs> Aaron, God, what a rant. Aaron's out in Tahoe, right, playing golf. He looks good. He's got the mustache rolling, right? He's getting ready to come into training camp. And they're going to do the whole Cowboys set. I love the traditions that the Green Bay Packers have set up, man. We are very, very blessed and fortunate to have a team that we support, to have the organization that we get to pull for, right, and the community that's around it, not just there in, in locally in Green Bay, which are some of the finest people you will ever meet in your whole life, but the people that we have worldwide, like the emailer from Connecticut, and we got people from like the other day it was Fairbanks. We had the you know a guy from Scotland email us one time and was just communicating with me saying, "Man, dude, love the show, love what you're doing." Like this community we have is so freaking awesome. Let's don't let these media idiots separate us any more than they already have. All right, because football season's just a few weeks away, guys. Training camp's almost here. It's going to be preseason. We're going to get our new format cranked up. Everything's going to get rolling. And let's don't let them steal an ounce of joy from us as fans. Let's stay positive. Let's learn something every day, every week, every month of the season. And let's encourage each other and be nice to one another, man. That's what it should be all about. So, um, yeah, with that being said, that's the show. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. I apologize for the rant there at the end. Um, it's just uh, that stuff kind of. I don't know, man. It, it gets under my skin. I can't. I can't stand when people try to act tough and, and you know, like the old saying, the loudest person in the room has the least amount to say. That's typically how that goes when people are trying to 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 run around and flex and uh, and show that internet toughness. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think if more people stepped up and checked them, it would happen a lot less because everybody thinks they can just say whatever they want to say now. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's obvious that um, they've never had to face any adversity. You know, Pat McAfee says it all the time. He botches it all the time. But the old saying, you know, a lot of these people are born on third base and they act like they hit a triple. And it cracks me up, man. So, um, anyway, thank you guys for taking the time to hang out with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. Let's take care of one another. And uh, let's uh, let's make this place just a, a little bit better. Let's leave it a little bit better than we found it. You know what I mean? Every day, let's get a little better. So, thank you guys for listening. And go Pack Go.